right, we are live from the ocean. Uh, I was in New York City yesterday, that's right. And now I'm back at the ocean. I have a, a day to myself, a very easy light day. So instead of just kind of laying around in the apartment in New York City while the kids are at school, I said, why don't we pack doggy and uh, head to the beach and see what's going on. So L. Richard Richardson, what's up, buddy? Good to see you, my, my friend. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is take two. I started the live stream and then my daughter uh, FaceTimed me and uh, I don't know. I mean, my priorities are in order. I'm like, you know what? I really got to talk to her before she heads off to school. So I uh, stopped the live stream three minutes in to do a FaceTime call with my kids and my wife. And uh, and now we're back at it here. Uh, live streaming from the ocean. Andy Bollin, what's going on, buddy? Uh, John from Virginia. Opie's a good dad. Ope, you're a dope father. I'm trying. When I had a massive uh, radio show, it made it very, very hard to do anything else. And I had to learn a thing or two and put my priorities in, in order. Uh, not that I was ever a bad father, but I, I felt like I could have spent more time with my wife and my kids. And now I'm doing just that. I do what I want. No doubt, Ope is a great dad. That was evident since day one based on the old show, Mike McPhee says. I try. I think you could always do better. I certainly, definitely, certainly, definitely, ugh, certainly, definitely try. What the fuck is that? Doggy, why are you barking? Oh, my God. There's a tiny little foo-foo dog on the beach. Doggy would eat this thing alive. And now the woman is really, really mad because my dog is barking at her little dog, she just picked it up because she thinks my dog could escape, and now she's running away, and now she's down below the dune, so you can't even see her. Oh, she keeps looking back at me and doggy. She is scared shitless that my dog could get loose and, and, and grab her foo-foo dog. I think she's going to come into uh, frame in a little bit. Oh, my God, we got action at the ocean today. This woman just freaked out. There she is. Can you see her in the distance? That lady is holding a tiny little dog like a newborn baby. She was up on the dune to my left, uh, relatively close to, to where I'm uh, uh, doing this live stream. I would say she was 50 feet away. Dog's up on the, you know, the top deck here. Starts barking like crazy. She freaks out, grabs the dog immediately, and uh, goes down onto the beach and now you can see she's just walking off in the distance with her dog. <laughs> she really thought my dog could get loose. I love it. Did you see the Howard uh, Stern story in the New York Post today? I did not, Ken Freeland. Let's do this. What What's it about, man? Help me out. Pat Duffy, Oh, I played my first game in a slow pitch softball league last night. Remind me of the old ONA celebrity softball games. Does that mean all the women were flashing? Because when we did the celebrity softball game, it was my team against Anthony's team. And uh, you had Jim Brewer, you had Tracy Morgan, you had Jay Moore's. Uh, and uh, God, I don't even remember all the people that played in the celebrity softball game. And then within um, less than an inning, you know, uh, everyone was really into the game because it was like, a, you know, me versus Anthony type thing. And then, uh, you know, girls started uh, flashing all over the stadium down there in Newark, and then no one gave a shit about the game or the celebrities. Boy, was that fun, though. Stern has lost his sting and mojo, LOL. Bill Marchant, is that in the article? 
And Vinny Castiglione going back to our celebrity softball game. Wow, on home plate. Yeah, it was it was insane. It was insane we got away with that. And they wanted us to come back. They loved it. They made so much damn money on uh, on concessions. I don't know why me and Anthony never took a, a piece. We should have made some, uh, some money because, like, we did the celebrity softball game in Newark. Uh, we pretty much sold out the stadium. Thousands of people were there drinking their faces off. They, they had to have made a killing, and we should have taken a piece. Uh, article Howard Stern pretty much saying he lost his edge. What's new? Of course he did. He, he's just taking SiriusXM's money right now and just running. He has nothing left to offer. Uh, Howard's End is the name of the article by John Quartz. I can trust John Quartz. Shock Jock Stern has lost his sting and his mojo from the New York Post. He lost his fucking sting and mojo many, many years ago when he turned his back on everything that made him very, very famous and popular. And then he wanted to be known as an interviewer. Man, I want to be known as one of the biggest interviewers ever. One of the best and biggest. Ronnie B's better than him. Uh, I don't know who else. I was gonna. I was gonna give you a whole list of uh, people that are better at interviewing than Howard. <laughs> Stop that, Ronnie B. <laughs> no, why? Because who cares? I pride myself on doing a damn good interview, but I'm not gonna sit here and pat myself on the back and try to become the greatest interviewer of all time. Ah, yuck. God, if you do this for a living, of course you're good at interviewing people. He stinks. But he's a very, very wealthy man. But he never got his ego in, in check, so he's going to be miserable for the rest of his fucking days, that Howard Stern. Stern, 67, renewed his contract with SiriusXM last December, signing for five years at a reported $120 million per year. And he's miserable. Can you imagine making over $100 million a year? This article says $120 million a year, and, and you're still miserable? This is incredible considering he works three days a week, Monday through Wednesday, broadcasting maybe three hours per day, about 112 shows per year with 253 days off. Wow, that's a salary of over $1 million per show. Am I jealous? 100%. But that's why SiriusXM stinks. They give all the money to one fucking guy and so many talented people had to leave and go find uh, work elsewhere. And then when Howard finally uh, leaves for good, they have nothing left. What are they going to just run Howard Stern reruns all day long, every day? They never had a business model past Howard Stern. And those fucking executives over there make stupid money. I would walk up and down the hallway, and they all were in glass box offices, and you could see them from the hall. And you could see they weren't doing anything. As long as Howard was successful and... And all his uh, and his huge fan base was, you know, paying their um, their uh, their monthlies. That's all they cared about. Oh God! Yes, I'm jealous. Isn't that insane? And then, you know, me and Anthony back in the day, we were considered the second biggest show at SiriusXM. We had to fight for every stupid penny and dollar raise, and they would just. Dump money on, on, on Howard year after year. 
look, it worked for him. You know what I mean? But it's too bad because when I first signed with XM, it was incredibly exciting. There was so many creative minds working on satellite radio. They all knew it was just different and fun and uh, anything pretty much goes. And then that stupid fucking merger wrecked everything. But then again, Mel Carmazan, this is a little too inside for people, but Mel Carmazan had to make that merger happen because uh, satellite radio was failing and the only way to succeed was to bring the two companies together. And then there was a power struggle when the two companies came together. It was Sirius versus XM and Sirius won because they had the bigger show with Howard Stern and they wiped out all these executives that were really, really creative. And they, they were left with executives that had no business doing anything in radio management. They were all failed executives and failed radio show hosts. As long as they had Howard though, that's all that mattered. Those executives will retire with uh, a lot of fucking money. And then that satellite radio will absolutely go bye-bye. Uh, NB Mike 65. Howard joined satellite radio to uh, revolutionize the industry, but once he started kissing Rosie O'Donnell's ass after years of hating on her, the Howard the world knew was gone. I couldn't agree with you, you with you more. I uh, Look, I've gone through a lot of changes in my life, in my career, but if you don't acknowledge those changes and make believe you were never that other guy, your audience is going to fucking eat you alive. He needed to explain some of the changes he went through in his life, and he never did that. And that's why a lot of his uh, fan base turned their backs on him. There's nothing wrong with changing. I think if you live a, a long enough life, you're going to go through some, some pretty dramatic changes. But you've got to acknowledge your past, and you've got to explain, especially if you're in the public eye. Like, for example, man, I'm not the same guy when I was working with the Opie and Anthony show. But I don't have any regrets. Maybe a couple if I sat down and really thought about it. But, but overall, I don't have any regrets. That was me. But Howard made believe that he never was that shock jock, you know, guy that lived in the gutter and lived in a basement, basically. And then he had all his people uh, re-editing his old material to make believe it never even fucking happened. Oh, my God. Uh, the emergence of great podcasts definitely killed Howard. Brett uh, Latchman. <laughs> I'm so bad at last names. That didn't help, but he allowed everyone to surpass him. You know, Joe Rogan is way more popular than Howard Stern, and that eats Howard Stern alive. It doesn't matter how much fucking money he makes. It's eating him alive that there's actually someone bigger than him. It drove him nuts when me and Anthony were nipping at his heels. He couldn't take it. But then he expects, like, not to really work and still be the biggest thing out there. And that's impossible. He's not even trying anymore. And the word is finally out. Uh, Chris Blanchard, do you think Howard pulled out his last three real hairs after yesterday's article? Oh, hell yeah. He can't handle that shit at all. And he's sitting there. He doesn't know what to do because uh, they were they were very correct in that article. The only way he could fix what is happening to him and his audience and his show 
is to dig back in and start working hard again. He's got to like stop with the horse shit, taking a million vacation days, working only three days a week when he's not on these long two, three week vacations. That's the only way he's going to turn this thing around. And you know what? He's not capable of doing that. So he's he's going to drive himself nuts. Money can't buy happiness, Benjamin Tucker writes. That's true. It doesn't hurt to have money, obviously, but uh, you know you got to work on yourself. He can make he can make a hundred million for the next ten years. He's he's still going to be a miserable person. Rosa Linen, here we go. You're obsessed. Pew pew pew, Rosa. Pew pew pew. I'm not obsessed. I didn't think I was going to talk about Howard Stern today, Rosa, but it's a huge article in the New York Post that people ask me about it. Is that an obsession? I do hate the fucking guy's guts because of some of the horseshit he pulled. Yes. I bet you if you were a big radio star, Rosa, and Howard pulled all sorts of bullshit behind the scenes and then said really shitty things about your dead dad, I bet you you, Rosa, as a big radio star, would have just taken it, right? Go away! Look at Kit saying you're 1,000% authentic. I try to be. Uh, oh, did you ever watch the Drunken Peasants podcast or are you not into podcasts at all? I don't really um, check out many podcasts. And then every once in a while, uh, people will write me and go, hey, uh, this podcast was talking about you or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. I don't, I don't click on any of them. I, I click on Bill Burr's every once in a while. I click on the Bodega Boys, and we've gone over this. I, I click on uh, Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, uh, sometimes some Burt Kreischer action. Uh, definitely uh, check on Chris Stefano from time to time. But, it, but mostly I, I, I avoid all podcasts. Most comedy comedian podcasts are awful, Pat Duffy says. I couldn't agree more with Pat Duffy. That's why I tapped out. There was a time I was checking out the podcast of a lot of the guys, especially that used to do the Opie and Anthony show. They stink. They're not authentic at all. It's a bunch of very insecure people trying to have the biggest laugh. That's all they give a fuck about is trying to have the biggest laugh. The conversations are are uh, very fucking dull. Most of them talk about the comedy business. No one gives a shit. You know, and then there's this owner in Oklahoma. Oh, I know him. He rips off the comics, that guy. Yeah, and you got to pay for your own chicken. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's hilarious. Oh, my God, who gives a fuck? How is it that you're a, co uh, a comedian, right? You're on, the, you're on the road, like, who knows, over 100, 150 days a year, and you have nothing to fucking talk about outside the fact that you're on a stage. How about you gather material by walking around the town or the city you're in and talk about that shit on your podcast. There you go. Free fucking advice for you and your dumb podcast. But instead, it's these comics talking to other comics. And they all just want to be the funniest possible uh, person on, the, on the, uh, the podcast. And there's no real conversation going on. And then they all laugh at each other. Because that's what you do if you're a comic. You got to just keep laughing. You got to keep laughing at each other. Just laugh. I don't even know what I'm laughing at. 
but just keep laughing. That's what we do. We just laugh at each other. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, it's exhausting. So I had to tap out. Everyone wants to be Patrice, eat Tom Burke. Yeah, they're, yeah, I, most comedians are very, very uh, jealous people. They make believe they uh, support each other, but they're very, very jealous of each other's uh, success. And they all want to be Patrice, but they're not brave enough to do what Patrice did, which wasn't doing the norm, which was doing it on his own terms. That's a very, very scary road to walk. Some podcast is trashing me. Why? I, 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 I wouldn't. I, I don't really fucking give a fuck. There's plenty of people that are trashing me and uh, talking about me on their dumb podcast just to try to get a few clicks. I would bet it's a bit of jealousy, to be honest with you, if you didn't want to know the answer. Bad Friends Podcast with Bobby Lee and Andrew Santino. There you go. Bobby Lee, I checked out his podcast too. I mean, it's not fair to lump all the comedians into that horrible comedy podcast genre because there are people that are doing it different i know uh joey diaz does it different i know bobby lee does it different burt kreischer bill burr chris stefano but there's a whole bunch of people you don't even know whose podcast you're listening to anymore they have the same fucking people on and they're just laughing at each other's shit they don't even know if it's funny they just know they're supposed to laugh because they're comics uh, but there are a bunch of people that, you know, to be fair, are uh, are doing it differently. Nikki Glazer's uh, podcast is god-awful. Having a podcast to talk shit about Opie is like a boat act talking shit about Seinfeld. There you go. Just a bunch of guys that will never, ever come close to the success I've had. Plus the fact they don't even realize that... Uh, me and Anthony uh, pretty much invented a, a whole damn format. More and more people are noticing that. So then we invented the format where you just hang out and just talk. There's no real format or structure. So then you feel like you have balls to make fun of the guy that actually fucking invented the whole goddamn thing. Me and Anthony invented that whole fucking genre. And I know that's a hoo-hoo-hoo, and I used to hate when Howard used to say that, but it's the God's honest truth. Joe Rogan has pretty much said it. Yeah, I know Tim Dillon's doing it differently. I haven't checked him out in a while. You know, I got to be fair. I lumped everyone into that stupid category. You know you know the ones that suck. They get Rogan on the pod, Vlad. <laughs> that whole thing went sideways. And then I made a video because I was really mad, and then, you know... The haters really ran with that video. Bob Lord, I tried a few comedian podcasts, but pretty much they all suck. Because they're not interesting people. A lot of these comics are not interesting people. They don't live their lives. They just sit around waiting for the next time they can be on a stage. That's it. They don't have life stories. Like, nothing happens to them in between being on a fucking stage. It's really strange to me. I remember how out of place it was when Bill Burr uh, started making videos and stuff when he was in different cities. And, you know, he would uh, visit a lot of sports venues and stuff. And I thought it was really, really cool. But it felt so out of place because I wasn't used to, like, a comic that actually went out of outside, left his hotel room, and lived life before he hit that stage that night. 
Most of these guys just lay around doing nothing, and they have such a great opportunity to just wander around, live life, and then you you would have so much shit to talk about on your podcast. Oh, I love Stanhope. I haven't uh, checked him out in a while, but he's another guy that obviously does it uh, does it uh, very very differently. Yeah, right on, uh, John Quartz. That's exactly what I'm talking about. David Tell. Insomniac was a great show. He used his downtime creatively a bit ahead of his time. 100%. I don't understand why uh, every single comic that hits the road isn't kind of doing the David Tell thing. Not to copy him, but just living life. What else you got to lose? Most of these guys don't have girlfriends or kids or are married. You got to have a horrible childhood to be a good young comedian, Brandon Dyche says. Well, I mean, you dip into... You know, the background of any comic or any entertainer, and they certainly had some issues growing up, that's for sure. You like the attention. I think that's why you search out entertainment to begin with. You like the attention. Maybe because you, you didn't get it at home when you were growing up. I don't know. Aziz, did you wish, uh, you wished happy birthday to Aunt? I, I didn't even know it was Aunt's birthday, which is so weird because there was a time I, I would have known that. So I, I guess happy birthday to him. I mean, what do you want from me? I didn't even know it was his birthday. Is it today? There you go. I'll be nice. Happy birthday to Ann. I think it's his birthday today. <laughs> Brandon Hollinger, I bought a shit ton of those cold dipped roses. I'm sorry. Give me your address. I'm going to send you a check because I feel bad. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I'm going to like... I'm going to do a fundraiser soon on my live stream. I'm going to raise a shitload of money with the people from the people that really have a lot of money. And I'm going to start a, a fund to pay back all the people that bought a gold dipped rose. <laughs> oh God. Uh, this guy says he's uh, saying hi from Sweden. I don't believe it because you don't have any weird shit above your first name or last name. Those two dots. What does that mean? <laughs> and Silk asking me if I'm bigger than Joe Rogan yet. <laughs> You're obsessing, Silk. You're absolutely obsessing there, my brother. Uh, Nero Win. Oh, look, I'm just going to do this to stroke the ego. I'll be honest. Look at this. Opie fucking rules. I love it. Uh, oh, look at Rachel. There you go. We saw the gray sweatpants picture. We all know he's bigger than Rogan. I guarantee I got a bigger piece than Joe Rogan. So that's at least a start, right? Oh, now you're barking. What do you need now? What? What do you need? It's never enough. You remind me of a couple people. Go! Why are you staring at me? <laughs> Jesus. I think uh, I think the dog is a little depressed. I think uh, I think he needs to get on a Xanax or something. I don't know. Do they do that for the dogs? For depression? Graham Crawford the fourth. My dog is that way. Pretty much follows me everywhere. However, I think it's because I'm the one that feeds her and not because she likes me. I'm a hundred percent with you. One hundred percent with you. Because at first you're like, oh, man, the dog is really taking an attachment to me. And then you realize, oh, that's right. I walk him the majority of the time. So he knows if he stays close to me, he will shit properly.
And I also feed them the majority of the time. Oh, okay. October just gave me another $9.99. He writes, uh, Rogan says he started the podcast after enjoying his time on ONA. Everyone else started podcasts because of Joe Rogan. So really, everyone started podcasts because of ONA. Trendsetter GH. Well, you got to give uh, Anthony the credit there as well, right? But uh, that is the truth. That absolutely is the truth. Here's the comment if you want to check it out yourself. There you go. I love popping the comments on the on the screen. Um, it's funny because when I went to the dog park in New York City and I was talking to a few dog owners, you know, you, you talk about your dog. They all want to know what kind of dog I got. Uh, officially, it's a golden doodle, but they're like, they're telling me it's not a golden doodle. It's not a golden doodle. It's a sheep doodle. And I'm like, it's not a sheep doodle. It's a golden doodle. And what kind of doodle do you have? Because every person in New York City has some kind of doodle uh, because it's uh, fashionable and trendy. Uh, but we got a doodle because uh, at least myself and I think it and I, and I think my son, possibly my daughter and possibly my wife, we're all allergic to dog hair. So we had no choice. We weren't being trendsetters by getting a doodle. We just didn't want to sneeze our faces off. But they're telling me what kind of doodle I have. I'm like, I'm telling you, I, I bought the I bought the dog. I know what kind of dog we got. And then you get in these arguments and I'm like, whatever. And then you move on to somebody else, and then they're like, and then I'm talking to this lady, and she goes, uh, "Let me guess, you got the dog for your for your kid, and now it's yours." I'm like, "Yes, you're 100 percent right." And then she goes, "There's a website or a Facebook group dedicated to all the dads out there that bought dogs for their children, and now the dog is theirs." And I'm like, "Well, give me the link because I should join that group because it is the the truth." Uh, Keith um, uh, Morose, it looks like. Uh, morning, Hope. Started re-listening to the podcast from episode one again. I forgot how great your chemistry with Carl was. Oh, my God. Why? I mean, that makes me happy, but also makes me incredibly fucking sad. When he died, I just, I just threw my hands up in the air and I said, now what? And then I found you good people, or I probably would have faded away with the sun. Because I was like, I... I, I, I I finally, like, figured it out. Why is your voice like that? I finally figured it out, and uh, I was having a good time. And then, you know, and then uh, then Carl dies, and then five, six months later, Vic dies. And then I'm like, oh, really? Okay, this is this this life thing is a lot of fun at times. Uh, Pat Duffy, how could a dog be depressed? Even on their worst day, they have a better life than most people. Yeah, man, they don't have any worries. And they truly just live in the moment. They're their true selves. They're not acting out of part. A dog is just a dog. This is all my dog wants. As soon as I get up, he pops up. He wants water right away. He wants me to let him out so he can take a leak. He comes back. He wants his food immediately. Then he wants to take a nap. And then he wants to uh, go for a longer walk to take a poo. Then he wants to come back and uh, have a nap, maybe one of these treats. And then finally, he wants me to throw a ball around with him late in the afternoon. And that is his day, day after day. And if I uh, do something a little differently, he's very, very confused. Wuhan Bat Soup. I thought Tom Green started the first podcast. Well, there's a, uh, uh, well, uh, you got to go with, uh, wow, the first podcast. You got to go with um, Adam Curry's way up there. I believe he actually invented the technology for the podcast or something like that. 
Then you got to go with Mark Marin, that paved the way for a lot of comedians. Joe Rogan took it to another level, and I really believe Joe Rogan uh, took it to another level by, you know, being influ 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 influenced by the Opie and Anthony show. And I really believe that a lot of the podcasts you now hear out there are based on the old Opie and Anthony show. And I will stick to that, my friend. Because when podcasting first started, you know, you had to have some kind of crime mystery podcast. And then people were like, oh, my God, I, I, I don't have a story to tell. I'm just going to I'm just going to do a podcast like I'm doing a radio show. Thus, then why it's um, based a lot on the Opie and Anthony show. Of course it is. Uh, Charles Copeland. Uh, yes, but Joe Rogan popular popularized them. That's what I said. He, he took it to the next level. After Joe Rogan, then everyone uh, started a podcast trying to sound like Joe Rogan. And then they're frustrated that they don't get the numbers like Joe Rogan. you got to try to be an, orig an original, not a follower. Although I, I think what Joe Rogan said about the, uh, the younger people, the younger healthy people, uh, you know, not getting vaccinated, he thinks that's a good thing. I think that's a terrible idea. And the problem with all of us is that we listen to like celebrities and politicians and our favorite, uh, our favorite cable news channel, and we don't listen to the scientists and the doctors. Just about every doctor would tell you that what Rogan said yesterday or the day before is really, really stupid and uneducated and dumb. The more people that get vaccinated, uh, this thing goes away. Vincent Scaramuzzo, Rogan mentions ONA about every 10 episodes to this day, constantly pays respect. I respect that. I, I think that's very, very cool. Um, I just think that what he said about the vaccinations and people getting them, young, young healthy people uh, not getting them, I, don't, I, I think that's very irresponsible. I don't think that's really, really smart. And it comes from a guy that's really paranoid about the coronavirus because it's, it's a known fact if you go on Joe Rogan, you get tested before you go into that studio. He wants to make sure that everyone that is on his podcast does not have the coronavirus. And then he goes on and sometimes acts like it's no big deal. Those two things uh, don't really match up, don't you think? Uh, Andrea Butera, you know, you were on the other day and I, I never asked you how to pronounce your name properly because uh, I, I see you all the time. You support my, my, my stuff. Uh, she writes, Vincent Scaramuzzo, yep, I helped take care of my grandmother. Protecting myself is protecting her. That's that's exactly right. If you give a crap about the older people in your life and you give a crap about the, uh, the people in your life that maybe are uh, a bit on the chubby side and unhealthy, then that's why you get vaccinated if you're a healthy person. Brian Bernard, I'm really not that worried about the virus, but I wouldn't get on an elevator with people not wearing masks. Yes. The elevators in our building are opening up. It used to be like um, one family per elevator ride, and the line would be, uh, you know, pretty long in the lobby. And that's why I would just go into the smelly service elevator. The rest of the people in this building wouldn't be caught dead in the smelly uh, service elevator. But as they wait on their dumb line to go up to their apartment proper. But now the thing is like uh, the doors open up as I'm going down to the lobby and they ba they basically ask, they're like, uh, do you mind? I got my two shots. And I'm like, all right, come in here, you knucklehead. And then we talk and talk about uh, having the second shot. 
and how it gives us a, another layer of security. I've had the same conversation like 20 fucking times. Oh, my God. This guy is calling me out and saying, uh, this guy's mad. Uh, Ogre, Opie, who are the scientists? Name one. Uh, uh, Einstein? What's some of those other scientists we got? Uh, 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 Tesla? <laughs> I think. Are you mad, bro? Bro, you're mad. You, you, you got your comment in all the caps. You mad, bro, because you want to follow the advice of some dumb, stupid politician. Or you want to follow the advice of some dumb cable news host. Why are you mad, bro? Why are you mad? And I named my scientists. Face. Face. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, we, we've been saying this in New York, too. I went to Japan in 2004 and laughed at all the people wearing masks in the airport. Boy, was I wrong. No kidding. Why would you ever fly again without wearing a mask? How many of us, you get to your destination and you start sneezing. You're like, oh, my God, I just got sick because of somebody on that damn plane and how they circulate the air on, on the planes. Why wouldn't you sit there in a comfortable mask? Why not? I can't tell you how many times by the time I reached my destination, the next day I felt sick. Yeah, those guys, uh, those guys knew what they were doing, it turns out. <laughs> Billy, I love this. In the nerd community, you can always count on getting sick after going to a Comic-Con. Uh, we call it con crud. I'll always wear a mask going forward. Yeah, you, you get it. The one thing I learned about wearing a mask, it really, really helps as far as uh, cutting down being sick in the wintertime. That has been very, very noticeable to me, and I will continue doing that moving forward because I used to hate the heavy colds, the flu, a couple, uh, couple borderline uh, pneumonias. Mask, not so much. Uh, guts, with the $4.99, your mom's box. Are we passing uh, the collection basket around right before I turn this thing off? Is that what's going on? I used to hate the collection basket at church. Was I the only one going, where the fuck is this money going? It's all cash? You're trying to tell me that there wasn't a few priests around America that uh, did a little dip when no one was looking? I mean, let's be honest. If they're touching you-know-whats, they're also taking a little dip into the collection uh, basket. All cash. You'd see the basket. You're like, there's 20s in here and 10s and 5s. I'm like, of course priests are taking, a, uh, taking their taste in the back. Of course they are. Yeah, that long, weird basket handle. And I'm like, this is insane. Where is this money really going? I would love to know the percentage of that money that actually went to a good cause. Look, I can't speak for every church. I'm sure there were churches out there that did the right thing and made sure, you know, no priest or anybody else that worked for the church was, you know, getting their taste. And it was always a volunteer. I would volunteer for that. You don't think those volunteers are like, oh, I'll do this job. And, and then they walk off and they got, I don't know, they got a good 30 seconds where it's just them in the basket and they're not taking a taste. Are you crazy? Of course they are. Didn't you say you were a church? Yes. Back in the day, my dad figured out a way 
where he didn't have to pay taxes anymore. I think I'm safe to say this. It scares the shit out of me to this day, but it, I was just a kid. So he created his own church to save on taxes because we had seven, eight, nine kids. And we were pretty much suffocating as a family. We had no money. And so, uh, you know, he was like uh, an entrepreneur and uh, there were always ideas coming around. And it turned out at the time it was legal. He actually didn't do anything illegal. Jay Cummings with, this is one of your best live streams. Well, maybe I should wake up, drink a shitload of coffee after driving uh, late at night, sleeping five and a half hours and not having breakfast. I think that's what I got to do every morning now. What made up the congregation? You and your siblings, Benjamin Tucker asked? Yes. Yes. I don't, I don't know if people really fully understand how poor we were growing up. That's why... To me, money's, look, money's awesome, but I'm used to having no money. So, I, you know, I think I'm heading in the direction where I probably won't have a lot of money. It, I already know how to live that way. I'll be all right. But yes, we had to walk around with tax exempt um, uh, forms. And if we didn't use them when we were just buying our, our stuff when we were little kids, we would get in trouble when we came home. My dad was obsessed with not paying any taxes. He was so mad, and I don't blame him. You know that taxes went up in New York again, and, and, and they're wondering why everyone is just leaving New York City. People can't sustain that, that uh, lifestyle anymore. And then instead of like giving people a break that decide to stay in New York as the city rebuilds, know what they do? They just take a big fist to their ass again. New York City... I hate it. I fucking hate it. I think I want to just stay there so I can rant about New York City on a regular basis. It's unbelievable what they do to you. All these people said F New York City when the pandemic hit, right? They moved to Florida and, and to the suburbs and all that. So then you had these people that were trying to hang in there and do the right thing and stay in New York City. And, and what, what, what do they do? They raise your taxes again. And then they have the nerve to say, it's the greatest city on earth. Go after yourself. you got to be kidding me. Sell everything and move to Austin. I'd move to Austin in a second, Todd. I only went once. I was there for, what, three days, four days maybe? I fell in love with that place. But we discussed that. Most of us don't move because we're, we're kind of... Uh, you know, not, I don't want to use the word stuck, but in a way, I guess we are. We're stuck with, you know, family and close friends. And you don't want to say goodbye to all that. Because, you know, if we all look at our our living uh, situation, we all think about other places we'd like to move to. But I think it's family that keeps us in place. Unless you have no choice and you got to move for a job or something. But a lot of us uh, aren't brave enough to make that move. I know that uh, I talk about New York City. Well, Long Island is just as bad. Uh, the, the standard of living on Long Island and the amount of taxes Long Islanders pay, it knocked out a whole bunch of my family members, not, uh, not, um, you know, my, my brothers and sisters, but I'm talking uncles and cousins. They just couldn't do it anymore. They had no choice and they left. And then they like report back. Uh, I got, I got some in Florida. I got some in North Carolina. They talk about how amazing it is and how much further their money goes. And then Long Island, just more, more, more. New York City, more, more, more. Because they don't know how to spend the money properly that they already collect in, in taxes.
Vinny says mic drop. That's how we end. Mic drop. Let's go, doggy. You need to shit.